0: Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world, with Ani Avedisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Hello everyone, I'm Arnie Avedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy. Sit back, Sip slowly and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation. And a hearty hello to everyone out there. Hello, 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 hello. (laughs) Thanks for joining me for yet another round of cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini. The show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo in a world where... Wasn't it fun watching Fanny Willis get down and funky with her big, bad, sad persona? She's an entitled little hoe who thinks she's Lady Amazona. The Democrats and Rhinos have lost the people's vote, so now they're recruiting suckers straight off the boats. Are the White Hats really going to wait until November to take decisive action? And if they do, Will it be too late to deal with the effects of the fake Biden putrefaction? It's a crazy, hazy, let's push up some daisies already, insane little world. As always, my darlings, we try to do this with as much dignity and decorum as can be mustered on any given day. (laughs) Are we ever successful? No, we are rarely successful, I'll admit to that. But we are on a bound to give it our best shot. And on this show, the metaphysical martini show, we do love the odd shot now and then. Yes, we do. In fact, where is my? There it is. Let me take a sip of today's drinky poo and see if it's a winner or a sinner. Hold on, my darlings. Don't go away. Sipping is happening. Mm. Hmm you know, I could live with that. (laughs) I could really live with that. Okay, more about that um, towards the end of the show. If you're joining us for the first time, a very warm welcome to you. Be advised, this show is not politically correct because we do not wish to erode the intellect. Our ideology is libertarian With more than a slight nod to the conservative, you can't see me because it's a podcast, but I'm nodding to the conservative, whatever that means anymore, do any of these words have any meaning anymore? Anyway, on this show, we are patriots. Yes, we are. Live with it, people. We are patriots who believe America has a sacred purpose and a big role to play in our collective awakening. We can see through the Luciferian globalist agenda designed to turn sovereign beings into mindless automatons locked up in 15-minute cities begging for scraps while the cabal gorges itself, gorges itself on the fruits of our labor. We martini heads, we know what United Nations is. We know what WEF is. We know what the Who stands for we know their agenda we know the agenda is one world government total world domination and by the way we're not going to stand idly by and let that happen because on this show we know we know a lot of things we also don't know many things but what we do know is citizenship is not a spectator sport so to all the folks with their heads in the sand and their asses in the air What the heck are you doing if you want a particular outcome you have to engage in the process by sticking your heads in the sand and your asses up in the air well darlings i mean you know the imagery it speaks for itself and to all the folks who say i don't get involved in politics i say this politics gets involved with you at every available opportunity so jolly well wake up stand up straight Start thinking straight and take charge of your fate, or somebody else will gladly do it for you. So on today's show, what shall we do? Well, we're going to start with my usual pontification, Annie Pontificates, and then we'll follow that up with a nice juicy question, answer, and comment segment, because, you know, we've been doing other things lately, and we haven't answered all the questions, so we're going to try and catch up with those. And then we'll follow that up with some very silly poetry and top it off with my favorite part of the show, the cocktail of the day. But before we do the cocktail of the day, we are going to do awesome American civics. That is a segment that I am committed to doing um, pretty much on every single show. So let me hold forth now. Let me hold forth. You know, I'm in very good humor today. As I normally am, I should say, Um, I'm not in a ranting mood. So let me address something that's been niggling me a little bit. People, people, people. Stop allowing yourselves to be manipulated by the poisonous tentacles of the establishment and stop delegating your salvation to others. A sovereign soul knows right from wrong. A sovereign soul develops intuition. A sovereign soul lets the spirit inhabit the human and you know if like a few of my listeners you are actually atheist or agnostic strange but true let the rational mind kick your behind darlings this whole mess isn't just going to go away because it's a mud wrestling fest on crack it could have ended it could have ended over four years ago if we were in our right minds and not addicted to the soap opera that is mainstream media propaganda, AKA fake news. It would have been over sooner if we the people were not glued to our small screens, generating the invisible screens that caused millions to freeze in fear. It would have been over within a few months if we the people had simply said, no, thank you. We don't believe your insane story and we refuse to comply and you can take your mandates and stick them up your man bums because we are sovereign beings. And as such, we decide, not you, because we as Americans are committed to life, liberty, the ownership of property and, of course, the pursuit of happiness. This was the greatest test thus far by the cabal to see how dependent people were on their carefully constructed matrix of enslavement. I mean, thinking back to when all this started, how absolutely horrified I was that me and, you know, a small group of people who think along my lines, we we just saw through it all and everybody else just froze in fear and became automatons. We, We just couldn't believe it. If I think back to those times, I was hearing people say things like, oh my God, I can't eat in a restaurant until I inject myself with some new concoction created to combat a virus that appeared out of nowhere and doesn't always have symptoms and it sounds suspicious. But I can't stay home forever. I'll just go mad. So set me up with a shot and give me the menu to that new Mexican place down the road. Oh my God, my employer says I will lose my job if I don't inject myself with this new concoction. So I guess I'll have to or I'll starve. Oh my God, I can't travel without getting this clot shot. Oh my God, I can't do this without getting the death shot. Oh my God, I can't do this, that, the other without getting this jab. Oh my God, I want everything to carry on as normal. Please, please, please. So I'll do what I'm told for the privilege of putting food on my table and shoes on my children's feet. Four, or is it five years later now, I lose track. How many people learned a very difficult lesson in the most horrible way imaginable? All of this, all of this could have been avoided if mankind's sense of sovereignty was stronger than its sense of slavery. Stop wallowing in mediocrity, people. Stop looking for acceptance from the crowd. The crowd mind is a loud mind. And that means you can't hear yourself think. Each and every one of us is a sovereign soul. Just as God created us, whole, wholesome, and holy, we are, as God created us, unblemished, bursting with potential, here to supersize consciousness and bring about a new golden age. Say those words and then tell me why would anyone turn their back on that? What on earth could persuade someone to limit their divinity and just glorify their mortality? The answer could lie in the question, I suppose, in the words on earth. The separation can only come from something on earth, an earth we initially created to be a glorious playground, but is now a realm of deceit and distraction. And this concludes the pontification segment of today's podcast, to which I will add only one thing. Those of you who are waking up and your common sense meters are being restored, take some time and really process what happened. Take some time to process why you fell for it. Don't be hard on yourself. Don't be unnecessarily hard on yourself. Just say, okay, like millions of other people, I bought, this, I bought into this, why? And just go down that little rabbit hole, please, and try to figure out why this happened to you. This is how we grow. And then maybe you can discuss it with other people who are going through the same thing as you are. Um, and then maybe we can make sure that this never happens again. All right, quack, it's time for quack questions, answers and comments. The reason why we started this show in the first place was to hear the musings of we the people. What is going on inside your heads people? I want to know and if you would like to share your marvellous and madcap ideas with martini heads across the known universe, send your emails to me at or if you prefer snail mail, get yourself a snail and Address it to Cosmic Arnie P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070 USA. And please let me know if and how you wish to be identified, or I shall refer to you as omit personal details. So let me shake up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and see what pops out shaky 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 and while i'm doing the shaky shaky um i've had a great many donations come my way this month and i do get them from time to time but it is the exception and not the norm so i don't know what's out there making all you people sending me donation donations but i really appreciate it and i always write and i always say thank you um, because you know you don't have to take time out of your day to sit down write me a letter put money in it and say here you are i support you i mean it really touches me when that happens so thanks patriots Thanks all you spirit-centered martini heads for that. And I do encourage you to keep it up. Um, it's it's wonderful stuff. All righty, let's pick a letter. Let's pick a letter. And this is from, I think it's pronounced Niku. It's N-I-C-U. And Niku is originally from Romania, but he now lives in Canada. Oh dear, I am so sorry. You're fighting the good fight there. Um, anyway, Niku says, dear Mad Ani, I am not a naive person, but I have difficulty understanding why people willingly embrace the dark side. Surely this is insane thinking and not sustainable. When did all this darkness start and where is it housed? You are not the first person to ask that question. You are not going to be the last person to answer to ask that question. Let me see if I can phrase it in a way I haven't phrased it before. Um which will be a challenge because I have no idea what I said before. But, Niku, let's start with why people willingly embrace the dark side. So no sane person, no spirit-centered or rational person willingly embraces the dark side. They are corrupted by false ego programming. For example, let's take a look at some of these politicians who magically become millionaires while telling the rest of us that austerity programs are essential for global harmony. Now, these politicians and everyone else in a position to influence others, actors, musicians, um, I don't know, a whole bunch of other people are good examples. These people, they fall prey to the demons of greed. The cabal overlords, the banks behind the banks, tempt these individuals with all manner of promises and shiny delights. And in return, these, it has to be said, weak-minded individuals, lacking in self-respect and common sense, are coerced to spread the gospel of filth. Should they grow a spine and decide they want out, they will find much to their chagrin they have been set up. To be blackmailed because the cabal are very clever at that sort of thing and very experienced in corruption and blackmail. They were offered a magical, too-good-to-be-true lifestyle, these politicians and so forth, but the price they pay for it, oh my lord. You know, and that's most of it, Niku. If those individuals decide to blow the whistle and redeem their souls, The cabal overlords unleash unholy hell upon them. So let's take a moment to honor those who have the guts to come forth and expose the agenda. And let's support them at every turn and pray that they do not get um, murdered suddenly. (laughs) Now, they're a minority, and I know all too well how this works. They approach an up-and-coming politician or performer or sports person or whatever arena they want to manipulate, and they give them a talk. Hey, man, you know, we can make you very wealthy. Yeah. Oh, you have some skeletons in your closet. Ah, It's okay, man. Who doesn't? We can clean out those skeletons in your closet, and we can actually make your past quite squeaky clean. And we can arrange for your children to have the best of everything. And the cabal, the establishment, the bad guys, they are very good researchers. They know all about the target. They know all the good, and they know all the bad, and they know all the in-between. They know their strengths and their weaknesses. They know it all, and they use it to manipulate their position within the mad matrix that uh, matrix that we refer to as society. One of my favorite lines um, comes from a television show called Westworld, and I think it goes something like, Given the right amount of money, all human relationships can be altered. I have found that to be, unfortunately, true time and time again. Large amounts of money changes people. Now, not all people, but most people. People arrange for their friends to be murdered in return for a governorship or some other prestigious position. Greed is a powerful mnemonic force. And once it gets its tentacles into your mind, it requires complex spiritual surgery to remove the attachment. And the people who have that attachment get so used to being fed by the attachment, they don't want it removed. And it can get very, very ugly. And some people have actually died in the middle of what you might want to call an exorcism. Now, say one of these people having tasted the good life figures out they're being used. And it does take a while to figure out because the cabal don't just give you all this loot and then give you a money-do list. No, they whine you, uh, they dine you, they flatter you, they take you dancing, and they take you on expensive trips before they make their intentions known. And once they make their intentions known, if the target shows resistance, if the target displays signs of a conscience, The conversation changes to something along the lines of, um, well, Mr. Smith, now, uh, oh dear, let's get a few things straight, shall we? We got you elected. We arranged for your bill to be passed or your movie to be funded or whatever. And we have done so much for you. And are you really going to throw it back in our faces? We cleaned up your credit rating. Your son is in an Ivy League school. Your daughter is in finishing school in Switzerland. I mean, you're going to throw this back in our faces and walk away from it? That's not how it works. Mr. Smith, are you willing to pay the money back? No, I thought not. Look, Mr. Smith, you entered into a contract with us. And our boss doesn't take it well when people break their contracts with him. "'You have a lovely wife, Mr. Smith. "'You have an even lovelier daughter. "'How old is she? Fourteen years old now and quite a beauty. "'Such innocence. "'It would be a shame, wouldn't it, "'if something horrible happened to her? "'It would be a shame if something terrible happened "'to your daughter and then to your wife, wouldn't it?' Wouldn't it be awful if your son was busted with a ridiculous amount of drugs in his possession? Do you know where they all are right now, Mr. Smith? Because we do. We know where they are all day, every day. And now they have you, because now you live in fear 24-7. And these people who have turned their backs on God and on goodness cannot draw divine energy for nourishment. No, 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 no. They need to create your fear to feed off no fear, no food. You see, since the Luciferian rift in antiquity, mankind has fallen prey to greed and the lust for power. And this leads people into making poor choices. You don't become dark overnight, Niku. It takes dedication to shut out your true light, to turn away from it completely and worship only that which is material. Can you imagine living like that? I can't imagine living like that. Turning my back from the only part of me that is real, the divine cosmic spark of life. But clearly it happens because our planet is currently run by sociopaths and their compromised slave bots posing as public servants, spreading the gospel of filth and defiling all that is whole and wholesome and holy. That's how it's done, Niku. And that is why people like me go on and on and on and on and on about identifying ego programming, understanding it and taking steps to overwrite it by focusing on our original divine programming, which is basically sovereignty and common sense. That's all it is, sovereignty and common sense. And the best way to defeat these dangerous delusional dark forces is to be so bright that they are blinded by the light. A light that is so bright, it cannot be extinguished. How does one extinguish God's light? It is, of course, impossible to extinguish. And that's why light always trumps dark. And I fully intended that pun. Oh, all these people, greed, lust, such weak and feeble minds. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And there's a catch. Serving the divine doesn't have these problems. The divine gives us all the riches in the kingdom and asks for nothing in return. Choose well whom you serve, my friends, because in the end we always get what we deserve. And no man can serve two masters and be loyal to them both. Thank you, Niku. Um, Good question right let's take another email from the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and i think i think we've heard from this couple before this is from a husband and wife sol and amanda known to their friends as the solamanders (laughs) very very cute and they say dearest arnie we were introduced to your show by a friend and we love it so much we made a point of going back in time really oh i see what you're saying okay over the last eight weeks we listened to every single podcast you recorded there are some real gems in there and may we say you have really improved over the years but please don't clean up your act too much because we love the touch of raw grit and dirt you bring to every show keep up the good work and god bless america I bring a touch of raw grit and dirt to every show. Wow. Thank you, Solomanders, uh, for that and for your encouragement and for telling me how dirty and gritty I am. Yeah, you made my day. Thank you. All right, what else is in the bowl? What else is in the bowl? We've got a postcard. We do get those from time to time. An actual postcard from Jim, who is visiting friends in Virginia Beach, um, which is in Virginia, (laughs) And he has written one line, just saying hi and to tell you that I have tried most of the cocktails you featured on the show. Cheers, Jim. Lovely to hear from you, Jim, and uh, thank you for that note. I, too, have tried every single cocktail featured on my show, some of them more than once. And I look forward to trying more and more and more. So stay with me, buddy. Stay with me. It only gets worse from here. (laughs) What else, what else, what else, what have we got? Uh, This is from RJ. RJ asks, I want to speak with aliens. How do I speak with aliens? Help me to speak with aliens. I really want to speak with aliens. So what I deduce from this email is that RJ wants to speak with aliens. So let's help RJ out if we can. RJ, I think you should make it clear what type of aliens you want to speak with and also why. If it's just curiosity, then it would be just the same as using a Ouija board. You would be surfing without anti-malware software and I advise against Ouija boards. If you have one, burn it. Now, once you've figured out, RJ, what type of ET you wish to speak with and why, then you should engage in deep breath meditation for at least one month to clear your channels and strengthen your cosmic connection. During that one month, no alcohol, no recreational drugs, no dairy, no sugar, lots of water, limit your grain intake and no junk food. And once you feel ready, set aside 10 minutes each day for as long as it takes and sit quietly, breathing normally, and create a room in your mind, a simple room, one armchair, one table, and on the table is a cosmic answering machine and a telephone. And you can decorate the room any way you please, but I advise keeping it plain and let the phone and the answering machine be the focus. Take your time creating it. Make it a stable environment, because this is the room where you will be able to speak with your ETs. So once you've created this room, step into the room and affirm that all information comes to you from light and only light go to the table, press the replay button on the answering machine and this is where the aliens will leave messages for you. Now there probably won't be any messages on the first day or even for a few days and that's okay but it's very important to check because it sets up the expectation. So are you going to be able to talk to the ETs or is it just messages? No, you can use the telephone to contact the ETs. It's easy because this phone line only goes to one place, the ET switchboard for all the ETs currently in our solar system. And the switchboard will direct your call. So you pick up the handset, no matter how retro it feels, stay with me, pick up the handset and press the big red button in the middle of the telephone. And you will be connected to the ET hotline and a live operator, fluent in earth languages will ask you how they may direct your call and you can take it from there that's why you need to know who you want to speak to or at least what type of et what is the nature of the call okay so rj there are no magic tricks with this sort of thing it's persistence diligence and focus And then maybe a little sprinkling of incense and hocus pocus, but it is primarily persistence, diligence and focus. And the cleaner your energy anatomy is, the better the information received. So by the way, if anyone thought I was joking about the ET exercise, I'm not. It's a standard exercise and it's very useful and not just for ETs. You can train your mind to use the telephone to reach anyone anywhere and receive messages from them. It's a a wonderful exercise for people who are new to all things metaphysics, and also for those in the early stages of their studies before they build up enough confidence to connect without guidance. Because down the line, you're not going to have to go to your little room anymore and sit down and call or wait for a message. Down the line, we we use these exercises to train our minds that intergalactic, intercosmic, whatever, communication is our birthright and we don't need any special apparatus for it we just do it so you know you do this for a month or so and then you don't need to do it anymore it just happens mm. all right let's take another question and this is from uh, la, 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 Oh, omit personal details who asks ani you often use the term cumulative soul could you explain that concept for me please yes Sure. Uh, Cumulative soul, pretty much as it sounds. Your soul, the composite of all lifetimes, all experiences, all cellular memory. Everything your soul has ever been and done and seen. And this is the state we reach in heaven after a little bit of getting used to the fact that we're dead, in between physical incarnations. We make sense of our recent incarnation and add that chapter to our cumulative soul experience. So our cumulative souls are ever-expanding. When we wish to reincarnate, we still have access to our entirety, the cumulative experience, but we focus on one personality— because having multiple personalities here on Earth is considered a mental health issue, and they will medicate you and turn you into a moron. So thank you for that. I hope that makes it clear. If not, I'm sure I'll hear from you. And let's take another one. I'm trying to catch up with quite a few of these that uh, I didn't get to in previous previous shows. This one is... This one is from Joe of the House Targaryen. Uh, Yeah, I I do watch Game of Thrones. I'm sure many of you do. Okay, Joe of the House Targaryen, uh, very funny. If God knows where all souls are at all times, is there such a thing as a lost soul? That's a jolly good question. Um, Yes, Joe, there is, but it's more along the lines of their loss, and they're not lost because we can't find them. So lost souls in my culture are those who have made multiple poor choices over many lifetimes and ended up entrenched in the lowest, the basest, most dense placements. People who repeatedly allowed themselves to be corrupted by greed, pride, lust, envy. You know, and this is why the George Soros of the world, the Rothschilds of the world, the stinky Klaus Schwabs of this world, they want to live for as long as they can use as much adrenochrome as they can to delay their physical death for as long as they can, because they cannot be 100% sure their Dark Overlord will be able to protect their souls from the consequences of their actions. So, oh, by the way, the Dark Overlord can't protect them. And why would he? Because the Dark Overlord doesn't give a hoot what happens to his minions after he has used them up. So lost souls are different from ghosts. Ghosts are more literally lost location-wise because they're in the wrong location. And they're in the wrong location because they're ghosts. Earth is for meat bodies. If you lose your meat body, you need to be elsewhere. So hope that clears it up for you, Joe of the House Targaryen. Do we have anything else in the fishbowl today? I think we do. Yes, we do. All right. This is from Julia in Concord, Concord, or is it Concord, 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 New Hampshire? And Julia says, "Is it true that all mirrors are portals to other worlds?" Let me have a sip of my drink. Hold on, darlings. Hold on. Mm. Mm, I like that. I like that. Heavens, no, Julia. No. (laughs) If that were true, our realm would be awash with all sorts of shenanigans. Any object can be used as a focal point to create a portal. And there are many types of portal. Um, You know, opening portals, closing portals, uh, transitioning portals. Um, Doing that sort of thing, however, is something you need training for, or it can go very wrong very quickly. Now, I will say this about mirrors. Energy does bounce off them, back on, back off, back on, back off. You know, they're like little bouncy castles. So I'm not a big fan of them. And it is a common practice um, in feng shui and in shaman circles to cover mirrors up when they're not in use. But there's no need to fear them. I mean, a mirror alone without focused intent is just a mirror and not a danger. But you can throw a cloth over it at night. You know, that's that's all it takes. And here's another one. Um, And this again is from omit Personal Details. Arnie, that's me. In my belief system, eating living beings is considered unclean. What are your views on the consumption of living beings? Hmm. Dear Omit, I do not consume living beings. I assure you, I make sure they have died before I consume them. Um, my views on eating flesh? Um, I think that's what you're asking. Uh, I assume because... Everything is anima, and therefore everything is living, but I'm assuming you're talking about meat. My views on meat are as follows. Medium rare for my ribeye steaks, and I like a Pittsburgh rare char for my filet mignon. I like my lamb in a kebab, and I like that to be marinated in red wine with garlic and onions. And I rarely eat bacon because my gallbladder hates me. But when I do, I insist on only English rashes for which I have to drive down to Roseburg, Oregon and pick up from Knickerbob's butchers. Bitches, (laughs) they're not bitches, they're butchers. Um, Those are my views on eating meat. Look, I was a vegetarian for about two decades when I was younger and I started to incorporate meat back into my diet after menopause and it was life altering for me. My health improved. And a few years ago, I became sick with a dreadful infection. And I mean dreadful. And it was suggested that I embrace veganism. And it was a terrible mistake. I crashed, completely crashed and thought that was it. I thought I was going to die. I went back to meat. And now my diet is 50 percent meat. I have to eat meat every day or my body shuts down. I don't consider myself unclean or a lesser being because of it, and I applaud your commitment to your path, I was on that path once, but each to their own, okay, but mine comes with a bone. And speaking of meat, it seems we must be very careful where we source our meat from these days, that Bill Gates of Hell, one of Lucifer's bumboys, and if you don't know what that means, please ask your local British friend that Bill Gates of hell is hell-bent on injecting livestock with the same clot shot of death he wants to stick into every human. And as someone who needs meat daily to maintain good health, I had to make some adjustments to my spending habits so I can afford the cleanest meat possible. Don't be shy about talking to your butcher or meat cutter and asking these important questions. All righty, let's take one quick one before we move on to the other segments. And this is from Avram in New York, who asks, in your opinion, who is the whore of Babylon? Wow. Um, In antiquity, Babylon was considered the pinnacle of sinfulness. So I could simplify this and just say, Avram, it's the shadow establishment, the banks behind the banks, the ideology and the machinery of what we now call the deep state. So, if um, I remember my revelations, which I hope I do, seventeen uh, one, I think, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. So, you know, some people go, oh, there's this Prostitute woman sitting by a river. No. Um, You know, this is the, the whore they're talking about. She plies her trade in multiple locations. In other words, what she does affects many places and many cultures. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. So what we're saying here is, She corrupted kings and leaders and public servants, and this whore intoxicated them and bribed them and messed with their minds and led them astray, and when leaders are led astray, a significant portion of the people also are led astray. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. Is this the same beast as in Daniel's visions? Seven heads, ten horns, ten plus seven, seventeen. Blasphemous names, yes, indeed, the scarlet woman has come to spread the gospel of filth. Rather that, like that dreadful Abramovich woman with all of her spirit cooking and then all of this pedophile thing and trying to say that it's okay to want to bonk children. This is the whore of babylon spreading the gospel of filth the woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold precious stones and pearls power wealth royalty influence she held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries a golden cup i'm going to refrain from commenting on the mass and communion of the catholic church um because i've had quite enough hate mail this week thank you but um She spreads these new ideologies of immorality, CRT, PC, pedophilia, sexualizing children as young as four years old, the perverted filth pouring up from the globalist cup of wokeness. And I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony testimony to Jesus. Believers will be persecuted, as indeed they are today, which pisses me off. I'm not a Christian, but, um, you know most of my friends are. Dissecting Revelations is, in my opinion, a great deal of fun, with lots of room for going down rabbit holes, most of which you come back up without a rabbit. But Avram, I stand by my original comment, the horror of Babylon is the Shadow Establishment. All of it. And that's it for Quack for this show. Thanks to all the Martini Heads for writing in and sharing your thoughts. I raise my glass to you, all of you, Several times, several times a day, in fact. (laughs) Thanks for writing in guys, just keep it coming because it's all good stuff. Now, what should we do now? We have awesome American, awesome American uh, civics, but I think I have just enough time to read a few little silly poems today. Now, I decided, why not? I thought to see, does anybody write limericks about Donald Trump? Have any haikus been written about Donald Trump? Because if not, I was going to write some, but I ran out of time. But I found uh, this website and it's called, um, oh Lord, what's it called? Uh, teachingcouple.com. And they had five little limericks about Donald Trump, and I'm going to share those with you now. The first one is called The Art of the Deal. There once was a man named Trump whose deals were not ever a slump with a shake and a sign he'd say now you're mine and the stocks would immediately jump limerick number two the towering tycoon in new york stood a stood a tower so high trump's name written up in the sky with his head held so proud he would say to the crowd this is american pie Limerick number three, The Controversial Commander. As president, bold and brash, with decisions quick as a flash, some loved his audacity, others questioned his capacity as the nation braced for a clash. Number four, The Reality Star. Once a star on reality TV, to the White House he made it agree. I'll run this show, just so you know. And the rest is history. (laughs) And the last one, the unforgettable figure, Trump. A figure so grand, commanded with firm hand. Love or hate him, it's true. In red, white, and blue, he left marks in the sand. Those are quite good. I enjoyed those. Now, I have a feeling I could probably do a little better. So on the next show, perhaps we'll have some of my Trump haikus or some of my Trump um, limericks. We'll see how that goes. But now it is time for do 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 Yes, I'm currently pet-sitting elsewhere and I don't have my trusty kazoo with me. It is time for Awesome American civics. Today, we will attempt to define US citizenship. And in the interests of transparency, I am borrowing heavily from the writings of Dr. Michael Arnheim, a lawyer and an expert on both the British and American constitutions. So, yes, the British do have a constitution. Uh, The British people don't know anything about it, um, but they actually do have one. So defining citizenship, if we take a look at the first clause of Section one, of the 14th Amendment, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. So that looks like a pretty straightforward definition, but is it? So what do we make of that? Well, United States citizenship is based on birthright rather than the right of blood. So birthright citizenship means that citizenship depends on where a person is born rather than who his or her parents are. The U.S. Supreme Court confirmed the birthright basis of U.S. citizenship in back in 1898. The ruling was made in the case of one Wong Kim Ark, who was born in the United States to Chinese non-citizen parents. And the court decided that he was a U.S. citizen, even though his parents were not. Chief Justice Melville Fuller, in his dissenting opinion in Wong's case, put his finger on a problem with the birthright rule. It is unreasonable to conclude that natural born citizen applied to everybody born within the geographical tract known as the United States, irrespective of circumstances, and that the children of foreigners happening to be born to them while passing through the country would be eligible to the presidency, while children of our citizens born abroad were not. And he makes a jolly good point with that. So the definition of citizenship in the 14th Amendment is very different from what it would have been at the time when the Bill of Rights was ratified back in 1791. Back then, not everybody who was born in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof was a citizen because slaves weren't recognized as citizens, even though most of them had been born in the United States. So 1857 in Dred Scott versus Stanford, the Supreme Court ruled that African-Americans had never been and could never become citizens of the United States. The prime purpose of the 14th Amendment was to reverse this decision and to make it clear that former slaves who had been emancipated by the 13th amendment enjoyed the full rights of citizenship. So the definition of citizenship contains a twofold test. To be a citizen, you have to be born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. But how does that pan out in practice? Well, the children of U.S. citizens are automatically citizens if they are born in the United States. Laws passed by Congress have also given automatic U.S. citizenship to children born outside the United States, provided at least one of their parents is a U.S. citizen, even if they're born out of wedlock. Any child under 18 who has been adopted by a U.S. citizen gets citizenship immediately on arrival in the United States. And that's under the Child Citizenship Act of the year 2000. Uh, The children of aliens who are lawfully in the United States are automatically U.S. citizens, provided the children are born in the United States. But what about the children of illegal aliens? And this is a highly controversial issue. The Supreme Court's decision in the Wong Kim Ark, the 1898, is generally interpreted as meaning that all children born in the United States are U.S. citizens, regardless of their parents' legal status. But there's a good deal of opposition to this kind of birthright citizenship, as it's called, and several abortive bills have been introduced in Congress in the hope of reinterpreting the 14th Amendment in order to end it. Opponents of birthright citizenship, they focus on the words subject to the jurisdiction thereof in Section 1 of the 14th Amendment. This provision is usually interpreted as excluding only the children of foreign diplomats from becoming a U.S. citizen if they are born in the United States, but not the children of illegal immigrants. So one professor, John C. Eastman, an opponent of birthright citizenship, argues that the phrase subject to the jurisdiction thereof has to be interpreted in the light of the Civil Rights Act of 1866 which section one of the 14th amendment was intended to codify and the act reads as follows all persons born in the United States and not subject to any foreign power are hereby declared to be citizens of the United States And Senator Jacob Howard, one of the movers of the citizenship clause of the amendment on the floor of the Senate, explained it as excluding persons born in the United States who are foreigners, aliens, or who belong to the families of ambassadors or foreign ministers. Similarly, Michigan Chief Justice Thomas Cooley's influential treatise, The General Principles of the Constitutional Law in America, published in 1880, which I'm sure you've all read, Explain the phrase, subject to the jurisdiction of the United States, to mean full and complete jurisdiction to which citizens are generally subject, and not any qualified and partial jurisdiction such as may consist with allegiance to some other government. What is the point being made here? Well, the point made here is that illegal immigrants remain citizens of other countries to which they still owe allegiance while living in the United States. The counter to that is that an illegal immigrant is subject to the jurisdiction of the United States just as much as a legal immigrant and, unlike foreign diplomats, has no immunity from the laws of the United States. So whichever view you take, and I think you can probably guess which view I take, the children of illegal immigrants born in the U.S. will continue to enjoy birthright citizenship until or unless the Supreme Court rules against that interpretation or unless the Constitution is amended accordingly. And we should stress right now that the question of birthright citizenship is quite separate from the issue of the dreamers. Children of undocumented immigrants who were not born in the U.S. but arrived in the U.S. under 16 years old and have lived in the U.S. since June the 15th, 2007. Dreamers were protected against deportation by DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, an executive program initiated by President Obama in 2012, which was blocked by the U.S. Supreme Court. In a one-line decision by an equally divided court in United States versus Texas, 2016. So, I'd like to know: Can you be stripped of your U.S. citizenship? Well, apparently you can, um, but it's very rare. It did happen 2017 um, in a rare show of um, of unity. <laughs> the Supreme Court ruled in. Um, The Maslenyak versus United States, 2017, that a naturalized U.S. citizen citizen can be stripped of his or her citizenship for making a false statement, but only in very limited circumstances. Uh, Justice Eleanor Cagle said, we hold that the government must establish that an illegal act, an illegal act by the defendant played some role in her acquisition of citizenship. That would be very interesting, isn't it, Um, if Obama actually was born in the United States or not. We haven't quite come to terms with that, have we? And what would happen then? Because he is sort of behind the fake Biden and all of that right now, and we know all how that works. But if they could prove that he lied about his citizenship, oh, my God, ooh. Well, what about citizens by birth who are guilty of disloyalty? Can they be stripped of their citizenships on the ground that they have rejected the jurisdiction of the United States? Apparently not. In 2004, the U.S. Supreme Court heard a case involving one Yasser Hamdi. And this bloke Hamdi was fighting on the side of the Taliban when he was captured in Afghanistan in 2001. So could the U.S. government hold him in Guantanamo Bay? and deny him due process as an illegal enemy combatant? No, said the Supreme Court, because he was also a US citizen. He was born in the United States and raised in Saudi Arabia, of which he was also a citizen. So faced with a judicial brick wall, the US government made a deal with Hamdi. In return for his release, Hamdi gave up his US citizenship and promised to live permanently in Saudi Arabia. Interesting. Hmm. You know, when I became an American citizen, a story that everyone's heard and is probably quite sick of hearing, but it really was just the best day of my life. We had always dreamed of that back in England, of what it would be like to be part of the Founding Fathers and Framers mission And as uh, an animist shaman, somebody who was schooled in the ancient ways, the name of America is mentioned in shaman law, where it wasn't mentioned anywhere else geographically, people had no notion of it. But this magical land that was supposed to join everybody together in the world in secular spirituality, not the encyclopedia definition of it, a spirit centered secular spirituality, one that didn't have ridiculous religions and denominations, more of a a mutual philosophy, really. And this is America's sacred purpose. That everybody can come together, no matter what their background is, no matter what their cultural references, and overcome those cultural references. Be free to worship as they will, of course, but overcome that in time as we all share a common libertarian ideology that goes back to the fundamentals of any philosophy. Sovereignty, the pursuit of happiness, be free and in harm none, do as you will. That is America's sacred purpose. And that is why we are up in arms to see the shadow establishment attack this country. And they're not going to stop attacking this country, by the way, because if America falls, pretty much the world falls. I mean, thank God for Putin, thank God for the Russians, and thank God that they're holding up their end. Make no mistake, uh, my fellow Americans, we have quite a battle ahead of us. I will also tell you, huzzah, we've already won that battle. But that doesn't mean that we don't show up every single day and do our part. And you don't have to be engaged in heroics if you're not a heroic person. Just be the best version of yourself. Stay spirit-centered. Study the Constitution. Learn the history of your country. Employ common sense and ask yourself, What does America mean to you? What kind of a world do you want to live in? What kind of a world do you want to build for your children? Do you want them locked up in 15-minute cities, eating synthetic meat and synthetic butter and bug paste and soy milk and all this repulsive, disgusting stuff that is preparing us to be trans and post-humans? Or do we want to go back to where it was, maybe even just a hundred years ago, where most American families grew 50 to 60 percent of what they ate? I think that this is more than just a great awakening. This is the last awakening this planet will have before the fourth dimension laps at our shores. And if you're not on board, the world is moving on without you. So. That was awesome American uh, Civics, and we're going to have that on every segment. But now, oh, my God, my darlings, I think it's the end of the show. We are getting very close to the end of the show. I Have I finished my drink? Hold on. I'm going to finish my drink. Thanks for listening in. I do hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording because it was a blast. It's always a blast. And today's real-life cocktail, wait for it, is called a Southside Cocktail, and it was Al Capone's favorite drink. And here's how you make it. Two ounces of gin. I'm using a London Dry. Three-quarters of an ounce of freshly squeezed lime juice. Half an ounce of simple syrup. Fresh mint leaves and more mint sprigs for garnish so start out by muddling a few fresh mint leaves at the bottom of the shaker then put the gin and the fresh lime juice and the simple syrup and then put the ice in and shake really well and hard for 10 seconds strain the mixture into a chilled cocktail glass and garnish with a sprig of mint and enjoy now remember folks Cocktails are great if they are an occasional treat. If you use top shelf ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. A quick thank you to Mystical Wares in Mount Vernon, Washington for making intergalactic distribution of this show possible. Mystical Wares storefront, Mount Vernon, Washington, or mysticalwares.com. Online or on location, you'll be sure to give them a standing ovation. I'm Arnie, mad as the day is long, Avedisian. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful, until we meet again. When bullied by tyrants, never show compliance. Call out the new world order, wherever it rears its ugly butt and its ugly venomous head, and urge the white hats to get on with it already. But above all, my darlings, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini with Ani Alpidesian, The Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com.